book of Daniel is a story of people who are out of place. People who are strangers in a strange land. The Jews had been taken to Babylon as exiles. And now 70 years have passed since they were uprooted from their homeland. In our study of Daniel, we have arrived at chapter 9. And so I hope that you'll find a Bible today and you'll turn to that passage, chapter 9 of Daniel. God has had people of every age who, even in their own cultures, find themselves strangely out of place. This is not quite where we belong. We are residents of somewhere else. We are members of God's household. We will only be home when we get home. Echoes of this strangeness are found in places like Hebrews 11, the chapter that recounts some of the stories of the heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11:13, for instance, says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Now, Daniel had seen a lot of changes in his lifetime. He saw in his early days his own country and the temple of Jerusalem destroyed by the Babylonians at a time when the Jews thought this was impossible. He was taken to Babylon as an exile and lived the rest of his days in a foreign country. He, and along with other young men, were groomed by King Nebuchadnezzar to serve the kings of the Babylonian kingdom. But God had greater things in mind for Daniel. God gifted Daniel so that he could interpret the king's dreams and visions. And Daniel was elevated to a place of position and prominence. He became a chief advisor to Nebuchadnezzar and the kings that followed him. Daniel was no doubt amazed that God would use him in such ways, for he was just a simple man, a devoted follower of Jehovah. Daniel was a man of prayer, and we want to think about his prayer life today. We know that he prayed three times a day at least, no matter what, that he prayed to God at three special times every day, even when he was faced with execution if he continued the practice. And this is what landed him in the lion's den, as told in Daniel 6. Daniel was able to be the strong man of God that he was because of his relationship with Almighty God. And his relationship with Almighty God grew stronger and stronger with time because he was a man of prayer. His strength was not his own. It was God's. And Daniel learned to walk in God's strength as he daily Put his trust in God through prayer. As we come to chapter 9 of Daniel, Daniel is way up in years. He's probably in his 80s. He might be approaching 90. He knows that he doesn't have a lot more time on this earth, but there is a longing in his heart that is yet unfulfilled, a longing that he has had since he first arrived in Babylon. And this longing was to someday go home. He didn't belong in Babylon. He hadn't belonged there since the day that he arrived. But with God's help, he had made the best of his situation. And he also knew, according to the prophecies of Jeremiah, that the Jews' time in Babylon was drawing to a close. It was going to be about 70 years, Jeremiah said. And now Daniel believed those 70 years 
had passed. Now, he didn't know exactly when they had started because the exiles were brought to Babylon in waves over a period of several years. Did the 70 years start when the first Jews arrived in Babylon or when the final group of his countrymen was brought to this foreign country? Who knew? All Daniel knew was that the time for God to take them home was coming close. And he was hoping that it would happen before he drew his last breath here on earth. Now, this message is called the power of dealing with reality. And that is a power that Daniel had because he was a man of prayer. Daniel found his reality in God. He didn't find it in universities and the scholars of Babylon, though there were many. He didn't find it in the many false gods and goddesses in whom many were putting their hopes. He didn't find reality in the wealth or position or power that came to his life. He found reality in God, the God who had led Israel since the days of his forefather, Abraham. And so whatever happened in Daniel's life, his hope was in God, not in man. And that is why he was so successful living as a stranger in a strange land. We would do well to learn from his example. As Daniel and the Jews were reaching the 70-year mark in their Babylonian exile, Daniel turned to the Word of God for understanding. Specifically, we know that he read from the book of Jeremiah. He read from Jeremiah's prophecies. His first impulse was always to look for answers in the Word and the words of God. He turned to the Scriptures in a very practical, pragmatic way to get the answers that he needed for his life. He wanted to discover the thoughts and the ways of God. He wanted to learn the truth. He wanted to know what to expect as life unfolded, and he wanted to know what to do when things happened. Daniel knew that truth and reality are discovered in the Word and the words of God. And that is why it's important for us to be in the Word of God every day. For it is in the Bible that we find reality. It is in the Bible that God speaks to us as well as in our prayers. Jeremiah had been one of God's prophets who had warned Israel that judgment was coming unless they turned back to God. But his warnings had been ignored. Jeremiah had said Jerusalem would fall. And that the people of God would be carried away to Babylon for 70 years. But no one wanted to hear what Jeremiah had to say. Daniel turned to God in prayer for the answers he needed. And it made him uh, prepared to live as God wanted him to live in his day. Now we're going to read in Daniel chapter 9 today. I hope that you'll follow along. If you need to uh, pull one of the Bibles out from the seat in front of you, you can turn over to page 728 and you'll find the ninth chapter of Daniel. But I hope you'll follow along uh, as closely as you can and we'll keep referring back to this today. Most of this chapter we will read together. As we read Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, we will discover that it's one of the most powerful prayers recorded in the Bible. And as we read this chapter, we will see how Daniel searched the scriptures and he searched his own heart. He remembered who he was and who God is. He took stock of himself and his people as they lived in alien, as aliens in ungodly Babylon. And he cried out passionately for God to do what God promised he would do 
70 years earlier. So let's read along in Daniel chapter 9. First of all, just the first few verses. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God, and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel is seeking answers. So he turned to the word of God. He somehow had access to Jeremiah the prophet, and he understood from Jeremiah that the desolation, the destruction of Jerusalem would last for 70 years. In turning to Jeremiah, it was likely that he read something like Jeremiah has in Jeremiah 25. God said, that all the servants of his prophets uh, would come to you again and again, and yet you have not listened or paid attention to them. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. And I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting ruin. This whole country, God said, will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Now, that's a pretty specific promise, isn't it? And that was bad news. Bad news that everyone ignored. But as Daniel continued reading in Jeremiah, he probably came then to Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring back you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So there's bad news, but there's also good news. And Daniel realizes that they have suffered all the things that God predicted, all of the curses, all of the judgment. But there is hope for the future, for God has also promised to bring them back. Here is the good news. And as he read again both the good news and the bad, Daniel knew that the 70 years had been fulfilled. He was encouraged by the promise that God had made. He focused once again on Jeremiah's words, Jeremiah 29, 11. Then you will call on me and pray to me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And this led Daniel to pray more fervently than he had ever prayed in his life. He says here that he pleaded with God in prayer and petition while he fasted, while he was dressed in sackcloth and ashes, the garment of those in mourning or in abject humility. Let's continue, Daniel, verse 4 of chapter 9. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned. And done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. 
We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants and prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring this disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. So Daniel confesses his own sins and the sins of his people, many of whom had already died. Even though he was just a teenager when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, he knew that the whole nation had been in rebellion against God. And so he says, we and our kings and our princes and our fathers are covered with shame. We have rebelled against your word, which you sent by your servants, the prophets. We have disobeyed you. We deserve the curses and the judgments you have pronounced against us. You warned us time and time again, but we did not listen. We did not repent, and so disaster fell upon us. Verse 15. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on our desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear Open our eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people bear your name. We do not ask because we deserve your favor. We ask because of your great mercy. And then Daniel cried out to the Lord these simple words of, of, of crying, anguished prayer. Oh Lord, listen. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hear my prayer and act. Do something and do not delay because we bear your name. Now, at this point, Daniel's prayer suddenly ends. Suddenly ends. I think he pretended to go on. 
but he's interrupted. We don't know what else he might have prayed because he was interrupted mid-prayer by the angel of God named Gabriel. As he was praying, Gabriel was suddenly sent to him to give him God's answer. Verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. While Daniel is yet speaking and praying, God speaks to him through the angel Gabriel. While he is still confessing his sins and the sins of his people and begging God for his mercy, Gabriel was sent with a message from God. I want us to just hang out right here for a few minutes. Notice that Gabriel came to him in swift flight. So we know angels fly, right? He knows that, that Gabriel arrives immediately while the words are still on his, his tongue. And he says, as soon as you began to pray, I was sent. An answer was given. As soon as your prayers were sent up to God, God heard and God sent an immediate message. I have come to give you this answer because you are highly esteemed. Wouldn't that be wonderful words to hear? You know, God's saying to you through an angel, you know, I know who you are and I like you. I like who you are. I like how you think. I like how you live. You are highly esteemed in almighty God's eyes. Therefore, consider the message. Understand the vision. And then Gabriel lays out this vision. Now, some of you will be disappointed. That's where we're going to stop. Because you want to know the vision. You want to know the rest of the story. And you want to know what it means. And if you read this vision, it's pretty confusing stuff. Time and times and half a time and e-seasons and sevens of this and sevens of that. And, and it goes on and on. And people debate exactly what this means. But what I want you to capture is just this. Not the vision, not exactly what all of this means. But at this moment, as Daniel is praying, as Daniel is seeking God with all of his heart in repentance, in confession, in sorrow, God answered. And God answered with so much more than Daniel prayed for. I want you to see that. I want you to see that when we pray, and we pray realistically, when we pray honestly, when we pray humbly, that God will answer that prayer, and the answer will be more than what we ask for. Because God esteems those who pray like that. Daniel said, we confess our sins. We have done wrong. You are right in condemning us. Would you please end the 70 years and take us back home? And God said, I have more for you than that. I have much more for you. In fact, this message refers to the end of times, beyond those 70 years, beyond what might happen to the nation of Israel and what will happen to all of humanity. 
when Jesus Christ returns. I can tell you that much about the vision. That he no, no longer stops at, at 70 years or what the next few years may hold, but what will the entire future of man look like and where will it end? And how will God finally bring it to its climax? God so esteemed this man of God, seeking God with his whole heart, that he interrupted his prayers. And he could no longer delay giving Daniel the answer that God wanted to give him. Daniel prayed fervently. Daniel prayed earnestly. Daniel prayed expectantly. And God answered him while he was still praying with so much more than he ever asked for. Daniel prayed in expectation. God came through with even more than he expected. By comparison to our prayers, where are we? You know, what kind of prayer life do we have? You know, we, we often don't put that much stock in prayer. We'd rather be doing something. We'd rather be working on something. We'd rather be accomplishing something rather than pray. Wouldn't he? Let's, let's confess this morning. I'd much rather be active. I'd much rather be doing what I know to do for God or trying to help somebody or trying to get my to-do list done of that day than pray. And this prayer of Daniel says, no, there's nothing more important than praying and seeking God's heart. We often think of prayer as a passive thing. We may only pray when we don't know what else to do. We'll pray when I can't think of anything else to do, so pray. But more. Thing moves the heart of God more than prayer. Beth Moore said in her study of Daniel, which some of our ladies have gone through, she said this, I believe with all my heart that God has great things stored up for those of us who esteem him and take refuge in him. I'm not talking about trivial things like earthly riches, she says. I'm talking about things that matter like a life of purpose, tremendous fruit, deep satisfaction, godly influence, open doors for ministry, restoration of relationships, and astonishing breakthroughs. Are these things dependent upon prayer, she asks. Often, the answer is yes. They are stored up by God, but released by prayer. In the process, an incredible thing takes place. And it's called relationship. Through prayer, we build and extend and solidify our personal relationship with Almighty God. He invites us to have a conversation with Him. Where we speak and we listen. Where He speaks and He listens. And in prayer, God shows us what's real and what is not. And in prayer, we have this power to deal with reality, the reality that God shows us in prayer and in his word. Daniel humbled himself before God. He got very real with God, and God gave him an answer even before he finished praying. I like what Pastor Andy Satterstein said. He said, some try to satisfy themselves by praying to God in the third person. You know, we do this, we do that, and and God, you, you always do these things, maintaining you know, some kind of a distance between themselves and God. But what is richer and better, he says, is to get face-to-face with God, one-on-one, so that the conversation becomes very personal and intimate. This demands humility and honesty 
because we must admit how much greater God is than us. And we must not try to pretend anything about ourselves while we are in his presence. He will know better than that anyhow. The prayer, the power of prayer is the power of dealing with reality. It is the power of getting very real with ourselves and very real with God. It is the power of humility and honesty. It is the power of getting real with God and seeking only what God wants. Now, perhaps I'm not saying that very well, so let me explain something that happened this week to me. Most of you know that about two weeks ago, my father passed away. And it was such, such a, a privilege, such a, a blessing to be able to quickly go down there when we knew that the end of his life was drawing uh, near and for me to fly down and spend about five days with him before he passed. And three or four of those days, he was very alert. We got to have a lot of those conversations you always hope you can have toward the end. And his, his faith was just, just so remarkable to see him looking you know, to, to, to his time of departure, to his going to be with God, and, and you know, just talking openly to God. And, and many things were happening that, that just, just kind of shocked us in a way, uh, but also just... You know, just kind of sealed it that that, that our dad was a, a man of faith, and he was ready. And we were so blessed that he died without without uh, you know a lot of suffering, and and he died in his sleep as he prayed and we prayed he would. Uh, and I was thrilled for him, never have to suffer again, and that he had received the eternal life that he had been planned had had so longed for. But I confess to you that I did not really deal with my grief very much for two weeks. Uh, I just kind of kept the, the positive, you know, upward uh, outlook on things. And so I didn't admit my pain uh, and, and really the loss of, of a relationship like that until it suddenly hit me this past Thursday. Uh, on Thursday, I was home alone. Uh, it was my day off. Jane was working. And... Uh, so I was just there, and, and things just kind of seemed like they went into kind of standstill mode. I was doing things. I was, you know, going down the list of things I had to do that day and, and uh, working on my car and different things. But there was this, this heaviness that just came over me. It was just a, uh, not, not really a fog. It was just a weird feeling. I have never in my life had that feeling. And it was like a, I kept thinking of it as a melancholy. I, I never melancholy. That's just not my, my personality. But that day I got very melancholy. And uh, Jane got home later and she sensed something was wrong. And I tried to put words to what, was I, what I was feeling. I really couldn't. I couldn't say what was happening. I just felt like, you know, I don't, don't want to be with anybody. I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to sit here before God. And uh, hopefully he can, he can say something because I have nothing to say. And I prayed in that posture, in that position. And I learned, you know, what, what uh, Romans talks about when the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. I learned about that. Because when I had nothing to say and I didn't even know what I was feeling, God was there. And God was powerful. God was present um, in my life and helped me to deal 
with a reality that I didn't, know, I didn't know how to deal with. I didn't know how to embrace. Very strange feelings to me. I'm usually the most positive, optimistic person you would ever meet. But all I could do that day was sit before God and acknowledge my brokenness, my grief. I want you to know that our God is a God who loves it when we, we reach that moment. When we through deliberate effort, you know, we, we set aside time for it, we, we acknowledge our need for him, or when we are forced to go to our knees before him. He, he loves that moment when we get very real with him, and he honors that, he esteems that, and he desires that. And it, it is amazing to us of the, you know, seven billion or so people on this earth that God has the ability to do that with each of us. Has the ability to, uh, you know, develop and you know long for that relationship with us personally, and and to speak with us, to hear from us, and uh, to work with us, to show us what life is about, what to do, and we want us to have, we want us all to have that time of prayer. We want us to have a place where we can go like that. And so this morning, before we, we finish up our time together, I want you to spend some time in prayer. It may, may seem a little bit um, uh, protracted or something. Dave, would you flip the lights down for me, please? I just want you to think about some things. I want to give you a special call to prayer today. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I imagine some of these things may be happening. Maybe there's grief in your own life. Maybe it's grief for whatever loss you may have experienced, you may have suffered recently. Maybe like me, you know, you just, you just need to acknowledge that and be real about that. Maybe it's regret that's uppermost in your mind. Regret for what you've done or maybe what you failed to do. And, and this is like this, this weight on your shoulders. Maybe it's repentance that is needed. Turning from your sins to live the way that God wants you to. You know, you acknowledge, you confess like Daniel did. We did something wrong here. I, I did something wrong. I confess that to you, and I repent of that. And I want to do better. I want you to, to change me. You know, it was very important when you first came to Jesus. It's really important for you to continue living there. You know, if something gets messed up in your life and you start doing the wrong thing, turn back as quickly as you can. I want you to also maybe pray in expectation. Pray like Daniel did. He's expecting an answer. He knew the promise. He's praying the promise of the 70-year end, you know, that they would go back. But God had something so much more, so much greater in mind, in store for him. And as you pray with that expectation this morning, I think God will answer you. Maybe even as you pray. I'm not going to promise that Angel Gabriel will show up. But God will, will bring a, an answer to you. So I want to encourage you today to pray these words, these simple words, from whatever position you would want to do that. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen. Take action. So let's spend time in season of prayer. You may choose to do this on your knees. Bow down before God. You may choose to stand on your feet with your hands raised up to God. Often they did that 
Bible. You may wish to lie prostrate before God if you want to do that. Or you may just sit quietly before him with your hands folded, focusing your full attention on him. But would you pray with me right now? Let's all pray to Almighty God in the way that Daniel prayed. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. Take action. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. And take action. I want us to sing together. I want us to think about our hunger for God. Daniel had a hunger for God that would not go away. Didn't no matter uh, matter what what was going on in his life, uh, whether he was able to do as he pleased on a certain day, or demands of the king were too great for him, what he pleased, he found a way pray because he was so hungry, so passionate for God. May that be our passion. Let's stand together and let's sing. Amen. Would you be seated, please?